Thanks for joining us. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services today. Let's also give it up for our guys, God Behind Bars guys and girls. Now we have ladies and gentlemen watching. Thanks so much for being a part of that. Also want to say hello to all those who are watching online. Thank you for being a part of our services as well. Very excited about today's messages. A message about, we're starting with uh, the angel stories. There's so many stories of angels. We're actually, let me rephrase that. We're looking at the Christmas story but each time an angel showed up, we're talking about that for the next few weeks, and so I'm excited about that all the way through Christmas Eve, and so that's why this message here is just called Angels We Have Heard on High. Let's say our mission statement together, though. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Thanks again for being a part of our services today. If you got your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 1 is where we're going to be looking at today, and as you turn there, I just want to kind of tell you a story, though. I'm an hour... 50 of my prayer time, uh, I, I committed a, a couple, about six, six to eight weeks ago, to praying 100 hours uh, with God to where I just seek God for his will for the church. And um, I did this years ago, and I've, there's three significant points in my life of prayer that have kind of changed the trajectory of everything I've been a part of. The first was when I was in seminary, I was about to graduate, and I decided to give God a day, a full day of prayer and just ask him what his will for my life was. What did he want me to do? And in that prayer time, I, I rented a room, or I reserved a room in seminary for the whole day, brought a bunch of books, Christian books, Bible, uh, pen and pad, uh, kind of a journal and uh, something to listen to some, some Christian music with, and just kind of piled it all on the floor there, spread out on the floor, and then prayed. And, and as God would lead me, I would read a chapter in a book and then go back to praying and then open the Bible and read something and pray. And, listen to a certain song and worship God. And then I just did this all day long for about eight hours. In the process of that eight hours, the Lord led me to plant the church. God told me you're gonna plant the church for the next generation. So I knew that was what God wanted. I went home and got a map out of the United States, spread it across our table, began to circle cities that I could see us living in the rest of our lives. I said, God, just send me somewhere that I can start a church and be at that church my whole life. And so I began to circle different cities, and uh, I marked off the entire Northeast. I was like, too cold. Nope, can't go, can't go there. Um, and so I began to circle different areas, and I had a list of 13 cities. Corpus Christi was, was not on that list, actually. And so I began to go city by city, and uh, I would travel there if I could, if I could afford it. Otherwise, I, I would look it up. Uh, there was no such thing as going online back then. Uh, there was no such thing as Google, and so the research was a, a lot different. Then I had to go to a library and pull out almanacs and city data uh, to, just, to, just to learn about different cities, and so they actually had that information in the library. They still do, believe it or not. And so I went and, and, and researched the fastest growing cities in America and where, there, where I thought you know, people would probably need churches or people were moving to. And so I began to do the research on all that, and I began to visit these cities. And there's a verse in Scripture where Paul actually says, Paul says, I did not build on another man's work. And so I took that to mean that I wanted to go to a city that did not have a church like the kind I wanted to start. So it would be very much about the next generation. Basically means new music, old theology. Okay, And so that was what God was leading me to do. And so in doing that, I'd worked in youth ministry before, and so I basically wanted to do youth ministry for adults. And so uh, it would just be more fun and uh, fast-paced and that kind of stuff, but it would still be God's word. 
And so I began to search for cities that needed churches like that. And I would go to these different cities, and time and again I would go and I'd find great churches just like what I wanted to do already there. Like I went to Houston, because I'm from Houston, so that was a natural one on my list. And I went there, and there was churches all over the place doing that. I was living in Dallas at the time, looked around Dallas. I mean, in Dallas, you can swing a stick in the mall and hit four pastors. It's ridiculous. There's so many churches there. So I was like, okay, they don't, need, they don't really need another church here. So, uh, so I moved on from there. I went to like different places like Albuquerque, New Mexico was one of the ones on the list. All kinds of cities were on the list. I think Reno, Nevada was on the list. Uh, I went and I began to mark through this, these different lists though because almost every one of these cities had great churches thriving. And so the last one on my list um, I flew to and I was really excited. I thought this is probably going to be the one. I thought this was going to be it. So I flew to Las Vegas, Nevada. I thought, I want to build a church for the unchurched. I'm like, we want to reach lost people, sinners. And I thought, there's plenty of sinners in Las Vegas, Nevada. So I thought, this would be a great place to, to plant a church. So I fly out there. Jessica was really pregnant. She was like way prego at the time with Mason. So she couldn't travel. She couldn't fly. So she's, you go ahead and go without me. And so I went, flew there, stayed off the strip. Not on the strip, so I'm, I'm, I'm there alone. So anyways, anyway, so I... I stayed there and I checked out the whole city. I was more interested in the actual the city, not really the strip. I was interested in like where people actually lived. So I went in, in, to, to an area there, kind of walked around, prayed, drove all over the place. And in doing that, it was, there was incredible growth everywhere. It was the fastest growing city in America at the time. Uh, this is in the late 90s. And so as I'm there, um, I'm, I'm driving around, but I just had this gnawing thought like, ah, I really want to, to raise a boy here. This, this is really probably probably not smart. And so I just was really struggling just with what I was seeing in front of me. I was all about reaching lost people, but man, how do you not get sucked into that yourself, you know? And so as I began to walk around, I just was really bothered by that. And the more I was there, I was just bothered and bothered. But then I went to this church. It was a Wednesday night and I just happened to drive up because I heard about this one really great church. I thought, well, that was really, one really great church. Let me find out what side of town they're on. I'll go to the opposite side, you know? So, but I wanted to go see them. So I drove up and they happened to be having church that night. So I walked in and some... Usher asked me why I was there, and I told him, well, I'm a, I'm a pastor, and I'm trying to plant a church here, and they're like, oh, you need to meet our pastor, so they introduced him to the pastor, and he came up, and he was like, oh, so nice to meet you, really nice guy, and he said, oh, what do you want, do you want to plant a church? Oh, that's awesome, we have a church planting network, we've got church planters all across the entire Las Vegas Valley, we've scoped out the whole city, we've got guys everywhere, where do you want to go? And I was like, you're killing me, because I wanted to go where that wasn't happening, and so, because I wanted to go do that somewhere, like what you're already doing. And so I knew this wasn't it. So I called my wife. I was so discouraged. I called her. I said, hey, babe. She said, hey, how is it? What's Las Vegas like? And I said, babe, it's, it's really growing. It's awesome. But I don't feel called by God to come and plant a church here. And all I heard on the other end was, oh, thank God. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> she goes, oh, thank God. I did not want to go to Las Vegas. I was like, Baby, why didn't you just tell me that before I spent the money to fly out here? And you got to know my wife. This is how she thinks. She goes, well, I didn't want to be in the way of God's will. That's what he wanted. I was like, honey, that's so sweet of you. But I don't think God wants us to go be miserable, okay? <laughs> and so if you really don't want to do this, that's, that's reason enough. She goes, no, but I wanted it to be God's reason, not mine. And I was like, okay, well, this isn't it. She's like, okay, good. We'll come home. I was like, all right. So flew home. That next weekend, we happened to be going on a little double date with some friends of ours, another couple friend that we'd met while I was in seminary named Will and Leslie Lewis. And so we went to dinner. We we're going to go catch a movie afterwards, but the guys wanted to go to one movie and the girls wanted to go to another. You know what that's like, right? So they wanted to go to a, a chick flick and we wanted to go to like a guy movie, right? The difference between us, by the way, is in a, a girl movie, one person dies slowly over 90 minutes. <laughs> in a guy movie, 90 people die in the first minute. So anyway, so we saw our movies, 
and our movie got out a little early, so we went and sat in this car and just kind of talked, waiting for the girls' movie to finish up. As we we're talking, Will says, hey, man, how's your search going for, for the right city? And I was like, dude, it's, it's not going good. He goes, what? Didn't you just go back from Vegas? How was it? I was like, man, I don't think that's it. I really think that's, that's not. And he goes, well, what else do you have on the list? I said, that's the problem. I've exhausted all 13 cities that I had on my list. He goes, really? He goes, well, can you just describe what you're looking for? I said, I want to go to a town that doesn't have what I'm wanting to do, a place that needs it, that there's actually a need for it. And he said, look, I don't know if you would consider this, but I just finished doing an internship at a church in Corpus Christi, Texas. And I was like, where's that at? He says, it's south of Houston, a couple hours. And he says, and I was like, what is it, like 30,000 people down there? He goes, no, 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 it's a lot larger now. I was like, oh, okay, I didn't know that. He said, look, I don't know how big the town is. I don't know if this is it. But he goes, well, I'm telling you, what you're describing, what you want to do, I know they don't have that. I was just there. They've got good churches, but nothing like what you're wanting to do. So he says, just call my pastor uh, that I worked for for the summer. His name's Sam Douglas. He pastors Yorktown Baptist. It's a great church. It's very different than yours, than what you're wanting to plant, but it's a great church. Call him up. So I call up Sam, we connect, we just like on the phone connected immediately because he used to be a college minister and that's what I was currently doing was youth and college ministry. So we understood, he's like, I get what you're trying to do. You're just trying to make it more youthy, young and, and fun and crazy, like zany, like crazy, like do crazy stuff every week. I said, yeah, pretty much, just to capture the attention of the next generation. He goes, I get that. He goes, that's what I used to do before I became a pastor here. And he's like, I understand. He goes, what you don't know is that our youth group, instead of going to Mexico like they normally do every summer for a mission trip, they stayed in town. They felt led by God to stay in town and do these Bible studies for kids, all these like backyard Bible clubs for kids all over the area in the hopes that many of them will get saved and then we'll gather their information and, and, and get a bunch of families on a list to start a new church. And all we're missing is a church planter. I was like, you are kidding me. He goes, no, I'm not. You need to get on a plane right now. So that weekend, I got on the plane, came down, and that's how I ended up planting a church 22 years ago in Corpus Christi, Texas, called Church Unlimited. That's how this happened. But I, I take it back to that eight hour of prayer where the Lord really spoke to me. One of the things I brought when I came to town was a vision sheet, just a little paper that I'd written up on what I believe God was going to do in, in, in our church. And so in the very... First paragraph said, I believe God's called me to start a church for the unchurched, for people who don't go to church. And I believe this is going to turn into a church of over a thousand people in 10 years. I had multiple pastors in the area hear about that and tell me I was arrogant. Some of them actually called me out and said, like, How, who do you think you are? Think you're going to come down here in our city and just, what do you think you're just going to show up and just everything's going to just happen perfectly for you? And, and I was like, well, I don't mean it like that at all. I'm just trying to reach people. And so they were really critical of that. But then God didn't do it in 10 years, he did it in three. And so God just exploded the church and it just, it was shocking to us. And that was great and God was moving, but I was also very tired because I, I was overwhelmed because this is one thing I've learned is we're oftentimes focused on asking God to do something in our life and God's focused on us becoming someone. God's like, I gotta get you to raise your maturity level so I can give you more. You keep asking for more, and God's like, you need to become more so I can give you more. That's how God works. And so I would go into this prayer time you know, that, to, to, to come launch the church, but then I found myself again, God speaking to me, telling me to pray. But this time I felt the Lord tell me to pray 100 hours towards the vision of what we could accomplish as a church, because we already blew away what I'd first dreamed of. So now the Lord really called me and challenged me to pray 100 hours. So I, I did that about 15 years ago. 
And uh, how many of you guys were here when I did that? Anyone here 15 years ago? Okay, wow, I got some old timers. Thank you. And so, awesome. And so uh, we, we, uh, we pr- I prayed and prayed and prayed, and I told everyone I was going to bring them what God told me to do. And so I did that. In fact, the first 10 hours was, felt pretty useless because I was praying, and I was, kept asking God to show me what to do. And the way I did let me just get practical with you. Here's how I did that. I have a little timer on my watch, and I would click it for an hour and then start praying. And then when it, when it got down to zero, it would, it would ding. And whatever my dominant thought was when it would ding, I would write that thought down. And that was that hour's thought, and oftentimes there's a verse with it, and I would date it. It's amazing the very clear message God gives you after 100 hours of those thoughts. It becomes very clear what God wanted me to do. But 10 hours in, I didn't have a lot. And I, I, I kind of got mad at God, and I actually said to God, and, and, and I'm not really proud of this, but this is how it really went down. I was like, God, this is ridiculous. I've been praying for 10 hours. I've heard nothing from you. And people are going to start asking me what I've heard from you, and they haven't heard anything, so you need to tell me something, God. <laughs> this is literally how I prayed. And I was like, God, I need to hear something from you. But I've been praying, and I've been praying for the youth group and the children's ministry and the worship ministry and our church and the attendance and the city and for our mayor and our president and for world peace. I don't know what else to pray about. And right when I said that, the first time in 10 hours, God spoke to me, and I sensed it in my spirit. He said to me, good, will you finally shut up? And that's when I had to learn to practice the presence of God, which is where you listen more than you talk. So what that looks like now is like a conversation, like, Lord, I feel like you're sense, I sense you're telling me this. Is that what you're saying? And what does that mean? What do you want me to do with that? Am I supposed to be involved in that? How, how do you want me to do that? And it's more of a conversation at this point. Around hour 50, something happened that's hard for me to really explain with my background. Before we get into that, let me just stop and tell you what happens with, with Mary, because an angel showed up to talk to Mary, and a pretty crazy thing happened. Check out Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. The first thing I want to tell you is this. Number one, believe that you are highly favored because the Lord is with you. God is, God is saying, you are highly favored. I have big plans for you just because I am with you. We often feel like, oh man, you know, God can't do anything through me. It's just little old me. I mean, come on. But God literally came inside of you upon salvation. So you have God within you. So quit thinking small, dreaming small, and doing small things when God has designed you and built you to do great things for him. You were built for great things. You are highly favored. God says in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. If you will call upon God, he's got big plans for your life. And so quit dreaming small dreams. God doesn't put a small dream in anyone. He's a big God. Do not write dreams and make plans for your life that are as big as you think you are. Make plans for your life as big as you think your God is. Because he's way bigger than you and I. He's got big plans for us. Believe that you are highly favored. What I'm trying to say is you need to believe that God believes in you because he does. He actually believes in you. So Mary was just this 13 to 15-year-old girl, grew up in Jerusalem. She's just like, I'm just a typical Jewish girl. And the angel shows up and says, no, you're not. You're highly favored. You're actually the mother of our Lord. You don't even know it yet. See, God speaks to you as, you, as you're becoming, not as who you are. He tells you who you're going to be. So the very first thing God wants to speak to you when he begins to speak to you in your prayer times is he wants to begin to tell you who you really are. But you won't believe it. It'll shock you who you really are. 
and he'll begin to speak that over your life. Look what happens next. Look what, look what happens to Mary. I think this is important because we think this must have been super inspirational. It wasn't. It was terrifying. We sometimes think that when God speaks to me, I'm going to get goosebumps all over and it's going to be awesome. And it's like, no, more like, Lord, are you serious? People are going to think I'm crazy because what God has to do through us is the impossible. He wants to do things you never thought possible. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his, David, of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Wow. This must have been shocking to her. This is very important. Would you write this down? When God delivers his will to you, it will overwhelm you. He will give you the gift of being confused, the gift of being overwhelmed, the, the gift of being discombobulated, kind of being spun around like, okay, well, this is crazy. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I can't even comprehend that. I can't even imagine that. How in the world, God? When we get caught too fast in the how, when God's trying to give us the what. In fact, would you write that down number three? You focus on the what, let God take care of the how. You focus on the what, you let God take care of the how. Mary said this, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? She's like, okay, you're telling me I'm gonna have a kid, but I've never been with a man. So how's that? I mean, I'm pretty sure I know how that works, at least how I've been told it works. So how in the world am I gonna have, have this baby? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the, the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One will be born, to be born will be called the Son of God. So notice it doesn't go into more details. I'm sure she was like, how exactly is the Holy Spirit gonna come upon me? How is it? And he's like, just trust me you're going to get pregnant. The Holy Spirit's going to do it. So there's really not a good answer there. I think sometimes the reason why we halt and hesitate on God's will is because we're waiting for God to show us all the details. But God takes care of the details. He wants you to take care of your obedience. You're just called to obey him. God didn't tell Moses, oh, by the way, go set the people of Egypt free, the Israelites that are enslaved by the Egyptians. Go set them free. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to part the Red Sea. He didn't tell him that. He just said, go set the people free. Then when Moses got in the bind, then God parted the Red Sea. So we keep waiting for God to show us the miracles before we need them. The miracle is God's talking to you. Listen and obey. That's the miracle. There's a God of the universe that's running the whole world, and yet he cares enough to talk to you. That is a miracle in and of itself. So our answer should be, yes, Lord, do what you want in my life, and then God will do his will, his way through you. So I want to encourage you, focus on the what, don't focus on the how. So the church has grown. God's blessing us. We have a new building. It's actually a really old building we bought and renovated it. And uh, we were growing at this time, but we we're running out of space again. And uh, we were, I think, in five or six services a weekend. And I was tired and I was excited. God was doing great things. I was like, Lord, I don't know what's next. What do you want us to do? God told me to pray 100 hours. I began praying that. I was now around hour 50, which is where I'm at today, by the way, is hour 50 in, our prayer, in my prayer time. But back then, 15 years ago, it was an hour 50, and then something happened that I really can't explain with my background, but I knew it was God. And so I'm praying. I'm in my living room. And as I'm praying, uh, I, had a, I had a vision. And except it was like a dream, but I wasn't asleep. And as I was praying, um, I saw something that, that shocked me that God spoke to me through. Before I tell you that, just know this. God... Whatever you're miserable in, wherever your current ministry, misery is, 
becomes your future ministry. And the two areas that I was pretty miserable at early on was that we were church planters. We were trying to start a church. We had no money, no people, no anything. So we were broke. And the second thing was that I didn't know how to do this. And it was really hard. I would, I would hear of these famous preachers that grew these huge churches. So I'd call their offices trying to meet with them. And I, I could never get one. They're like, oh, yeah, he's busy. Just, you know, order his book or go to this conference. I could never get to them personally. And so God later on used that in the vision he gave me. And so I didn't know what God exactly wanted me to do, but I knew I was a church planter by heart. That's the nature of who I am. I know you call me pastor, but I still feel more like a missionary moving to town to reach people for Christ. That's really what, what I want to, want to be about, even to this day. So I'm in this prayer time. I'm praying, and I see this vision, and here's what happens is that in my mind, I see people come up to me, and there was a guy from Africa, and he was in full African garb. There was a, a person from India, a woman from Asia, and she looked like she just walked right off the continent in clothing and everything. And they, they all began to say the same thing to me. They all began to say, when are you going to start the church for me? They was like in unison. They were all saying, when are you going to start the church that's going to win me to Christ? When are you going to start the church that tells me about Jesus? But what was crazy was that they were all saying it in their language, and I was hearing it in mine. In Acts chapter 2, flames of fire came down upon people, and they began to speak in other languages to the people in the room that knew those languages, and they began to share the gospel, and thousands were saved because of that, 3,000 in all, actually. In this vision, they were speaking to me in other languages, but I was hearing it in mine, and they were all crying out, saying, when are you going to start the church for me? In that moment, I had a clarity that came over me, an understanding, a knowledge of God. It's the only way I know how to describe it. I grabbed my journal as fast as I could, and I just began to write frantically, and I knew exactly what God wanted me to do. And I never forget writing down, I'm to plant 100 churches all across the world that change lives, and we're going to fund them, and we're going to teach them how to grow those churches, and we're going to help them along the way. And I began to write this as fast as I could. I spent the next 50 hours in prayer on that one moment where God began to show me how we can do that. In that journal I wrote, we gotta build a larger building and it's gotta seat this many people so we can run this many service, have this many people so we have enough offerings to be able to support this level of missions happening because this is to the tune of millions of dollars to start churches all over the world. So we began to write all that. I began to write all of that. I began to flesh that out over the next 50 hours of prayer. I stand here today to tell you now that the goal was by 2018, actually, to have planted 100 churches. Well, we did that. We've now planted 103 churches across the world because of a vision God gave me in 100 hours of prayer. God spoke to me to pray again. So I'm in 100 hours of prayer right now, and my prayer has been one consistent prayer. Lord, what do you want me to do for you for the next 20 years of my life? Basically, from now till I retire, what do you want me to do? And so I just said, I just, that's my prayer. I'm an hour 50 of that prayer time. God's already been speaking to me, but I do feel led to ask you to join me now in this prayer. Now, for those of you who freak out, like, I can't pray 50 hours. I'm not asking you to pray 50 but I am asking you to join me. In fact, I'm going to invite some volunteers to come up here and help me out, and we're going to spread across the stages at all of our campuses right now some sheets of paper 
that you can come up and you can join me in prayer. And here's what that looks like. I'm going to pray for the next five weeks, 10 hours a week, so I knock out the 50 by January 9th and 10th of 2021. So I'm kind of on a prayer schedule at this point, and I'm asking you to join me. There's this thing called pacers. Pacers are people that when you're running a marathon, the last half of the marathon, people jump in and run it with you to help keep you on pace. Professional marathon runners do this. I've never run a marathon, and I don't plan on it, but... But I understand that pacers jump in and they run a mile with you to keep you on a certain pace and they stop and then someone else jumps in and helps them. These are pros. This is how they keep that pace till the finish. So I need some pacers as I continue to pray. Would you pray with me? So I'm asking you if you'll pray one hour a week for the next five weeks, that's five hours. Or two hours a week, that would be 10 hours in the next five weeks. Three hours, 15 hours, whatever the Lord lays on your heart to do. But I want to invite you to join me and come sign your name and write the amount of hours over the next five weeks you're going to pray. So I want to invite right now you to come up with all of our campuses. Just come on up. There's pins up here. And, uh, and if you're below the age of 18, would you put how, many, uh, how old you are? Because I'm always am inspired by young people. I mean, every time we've done this, like in the, I mean, the last time we did this, we had like an eight-year-old that prayed like 20 hours to God. It was incredible. And so it's amazing. Just last service, a seven-year-old committed to praying 10 hours. And so it's, or two hours, I'm sorry, seven-year-old praying two hours. What, what can God do through a seven-year-old that prays two hours? That's incredible. And so I just want to invite you to join me in this prayer time. And uh, for those of you who say, okay, that's a little intimidating. I've never prayed more than 10 minutes, Pastor, and you asked me to pray an hour. Let me tell you how to do this. Let me, let me make it simple for you. First of all, I wake up in the morning. I don't walk into a cave and start praying and levitating. It doesn't happen like that. I start praying, I click my little watch and start praying, and if, I, if, if my mind wanders elsewhere because I'm kind of ADD, then I'll stop the watch and get refocused and start again. But oftentimes, I'll just start in the morning and I'm brushing my teeth praying, showering and praying. By the time I get ready, I've done 30 minutes. So it actually goes faster than you think. But rather than trying to get the time to go by, focus on the Lord. And so one of the things I like to do is walk and pray. I just walk and pray quietly under my breath to the Lord. But also, my mother taught me something a long time ago. My mother's a prayer warrior. She's where I got this prayer from. My mother taught me the ABCs of prayer. So whatever you want to pray about, if you don't know how to pray anymore, just do the ABCs. Like if I'm praying for one of my kids, like Cole's in the front row today, I would pray for Cole and say, God, I pray for Cole. A, I pray, Lord, you'd help him be absolutely faithful to you. B, I pray he'd be bold in his faith. C, I pray you'd give him courage. D, help him to do his devotions. E, make him excellent in his schoolwork. You know, and I would just go through on the F, make him faithful. G, help him to be godly. H, help him to, you know, holla for you, whatever, right? You get the point. So I go all the way through the alphabet and it helps me pray for the situation or the person or whatever it is I'm praying for. And you'd be surprised how fast an hour goes. And so I just want to encourage you to join me in this prayer. Let's give the people a hand right now at all of our campuses that are coming forward. That's incredible. Thank you for this. Thank you. So I forgot last service. I don't want to forget the service, but I just want to show you the journal that I have that where I write down my hours, like whatever the Lord tells me at the end of an hour of prayer. You guys want to hear some of this? Anybody interested? Hear some of the things that God's told me over the last 50 hours? The very first hour, hour one, I just said, God, you are, you are the key that opens every door. That's the biggest thought that God gave me. I didn't know what was next, but I just knew God was telling me, I'm the key. I'm the key to everything that I want to do in your ministry. It's, it's through me. Hour four, I wrote prayer works, plan and organize. Well, I can't tell you the rest of that one, actually. Sorry. That's got to wait until January 9th and 10th, but yeah, that's a big one. Uh, let's see. Let me find some other ones here. Um, oh, here's a great one. Hour seven. You are a righteous king in Christ, not a wicked slave. Who needed to hear that today? 
You're a righteous king. You're not a wicked slave. That's what God says about you. I don't know if you knew that. When he says the king of kings, we think of other kings. He's actually referring to us. We're kings on this earth. I don't know if you knew that. What that means is you have an area that you're supposed to have dominion over. So maybe that was for someone today. Hour 10, change your mindset to believe we serve an unlimited God. Isn't that good? Hour 17, God is guiding me all this time. All the little things that have happened along the way that don't make sense to you, God's guiding you through those. God has a purpose where you are right now with what's going on in your life. God is in it. Isn't it good to remember that? Anyone need to hear that today? Maybe someone? He's got you. He's got you. Oh, man, some of these i got to be careful. I don't want to give too much away yet. Set new goals, take new action. Ephesians 2.10 is the verse God gave me for that one. I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from him. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. This is just some of the things God's been telling me. Anyways, God's been really speaking. There's a lot of specifics in here I'm trying to not tell you yet, because I'm going to give a big reveal January 9th and 10th that weekend, but... Just wanted to share some of those things that God's been laying on my heart. I want to encourage you as God speaks to you in your prayer time, you journal it too. Just write it down, whatever God speaks to you. It says in Luke chapter 1, verse 36, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. The angel told her this. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Let me read that verse again. For no word from God will ever fail. What's God told you? Let me say it again. For no word from God will ever fail. What do you believe in God for? For no word from God will ever fail. What has God already told you? For no word from God will ever fail. Isn't that good? You can trust the Lord. And he goes on to say this. I am, she says this. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. I love that. That's our prayer today. God, whatever you say about me, may it be fulfilled. Whatever I'm called to do, may it be fulfilled. Whatever I'm called to have, wherever I'm called to go, may it be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So apparently the angel wasn't done doing business with Mary until Mary agreed to receive it. So God wants to speak to us, but he wants us to receive it and believe it. So number four, God confirms his will through other godly people in your life. This is important. He was saying, hey, go see Elizabeth. Elizabeth's already pregnant. You know the girl, your relative that's older than you that, that couldn't get pregnant? Well, now she's pregnant. God, what was God saying? God was saying, I've done the impossible in her life. I'll do the impossible in your life. So we need to trust that God can do those things for us. God will give you a word, a verse. Here's a verse God gave me in my first prayer time. Uh, my first eight hours, God gave me verse Acts 247, and I'm still standing on this verse today. There are promises God gives us. Acts 247, for me, this is a verse God gave me. It says, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. So I took that literally and said, okay, God, that means at least one person got saved every day of the year in the new church in Acts. So Lord, I ask you that Church Unlimited, or it used to be called Bay Area Fellowship back in the day, I pray that Bay Area Fellowship, Church Unlimited, would grow by a minimum of 365 people a year. You know, we've never dipped below that. 22 years later, we have always grown at least by 365 people a year. Actually, I've been looking at the averages. I think in 22 years, we've averaged 500 people a year. And so God has kept his word. 
God has a word he will give you too, and you were to stand on that verse. Proverbs 15, 22 says this, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. What does that mean? Why did I bring that up? Because I don't want you to get the impression that I'm some lone ranger going alone to God and gonna have this dream and God's given me and I'm just gonna do it regardless of what everyone else says. No, that's not how it works. God speaks to me, then I go to my mentor, I go to my wife, I go to my friends, my other pastors, I go to my family, and I, and I let them know, here's something God's telling me. What do you think of that? What would you do if you were given that advice from God? What if the Lord told you, what, how would that look for you? And I get their, their advice, because listen, God put you in a church, which means that you don't just get God's will alone. God speaks to you, but then you confirm that will through other godly people. This is why if you're dating someone or you're thinking about going into business with someone or you're thinking about doing this or that, check with your friends and family who love God. And if they all kind of go, ooh, no, bad idea, listen to that. That's God protecting you. You hear that? So don't think it's just, oh, but the Lord told me, but the Lord told me, but God has other people also. Mary, yes, you're the mother of our Lord. But Elizabeth is a godly woman that's older in your life. She's going to confirm that this is me. And so we all need that confirmation at the same time. And so God confirms his will through other godly people in your life. In fact, maybe, just maybe, something God's mysterious in you about, maybe the words I'm saying today are confirming that. Maybe God's speaking to you about something very specifically today. Do what the Lord leads you to do, but make sure you get good advice from other godly people at the same time. Guys, what I want to tell you is this. I'm com- completely convinced that God wants to break something loose in this place. That he wants to do a fresh work of God. God does not want us living off of yesterday's miracles. When he has new things he wants to do in you today, right now, he has a brighter future for you today than you've ever ever even imagined. But he is saying, come to me so I can share with you. God may have brought you here to hear this message today because he's saying, I miss my time with you. I've got so much to tell you. I've got so many things to share with you. God wants to speak to you. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Would we just take this moment in prayer today? I want to encourage you. Is God speaking to you? Follow him. Follow his lead. Whatever he tells you to do, follow that lead. I want to encourage you right now, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you've never trusted Christ to be your Lord and your Savior, you can receive him right now. Across all of our campuses, those who are watching online, those who are watching, maybe you're sitting in a prison cell and you hear the sound of my voice. Have you given your life to Jesus? Oh, pastor, I don't need to get religion. I'm not asking you to get religion. Have you given your life to Jesus? Because he is a personal God that loves you. God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sin and for mine, and he died for our sin, and he rose again, proving that he's God. Now he waits for you to receive him. You can pray this simple prayer. Pray this with me. You can just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for me. I believe you paid the price for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord, and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.